How's everyone? Welcome back to Words Word Speak Season 2, proudly sponsored by Nikon South Africa and Poison City Brewing. Thanks guys for providing us with some awesome camera gear and some great beers to keep us hydrated and uh, keep us filming this season of Words Word Speak. Today on the podcast, we've got a professional MMA fighter by the name of Saxon Deadfield. Um, Christian ran into him while he was training at Pride Fighting Academy here in Cape Town. Um, really awesome guy, really humble, sweet guy. You wouldn't think so. Looking at him, he's terrifying. Tattoos everywhere and he's huge. So I'm glad I wasn't the one interviewing him. But um, really, really inspiring story. He came from nothing. He literally moved to Cape Town and was sleeping in an abandoned um, office building um, when he was getting his sort of uh, fighting career off the ground. Um, so really, really cool to hear what it, you, have, you have to go through to get to where he is now. Um, without any further ado, enjoy the rest of the episode. earlier uh, I showed Mark or Mark came across a picture of you you know the one I think it's in black and white like we had just won and you're like like this and like you're like going down like this and like a six pack and like the gum guy's like half coming out your mouth and Mark goes dude he looks like a great white shark (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have blood in my mouth still so <laughs> that one, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh gosh. Did you post? I just, yeah. Did you, like, I just saw that and I was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but when you meet him, he's more like a dolphin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if he was a shark, he'd be like that shark in Shark Tale. No, Sebastian. Vegetarian. Yeah, Sebastian. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, bro, thanks so much for coming on. Jeez, um, I don't even know how to start this thing. Firstly, I want to tell you that. You lost me money a while back because, no offense, I, I bet it against you <laughs> in the fight <laughs> because you fought with Reggie and Reggie was um, at my gym and I was like, no, Reggie will win by submission second round. And I'm like, obviously, like, I think the bets were even in Reggie's favor and sorry, the odds were in uh, Reggie's favor and then first round knocked the lights out. Yeah. I mean, we, I said... I think it's, like, it's kind of like, I think for you, like your most notorious knockout. Yeah, it was a nice little comeback knockout, eh? What do you mean by comeback? Because I wasn't tracking your career up to that point. I Hence. Yeah. I don't think I'd fought for two years or something like that. Yeah. And it was... Um, Regis. You just say uh, Saxon Littlefield highlights. You're, have you had some fans put together? Or have you, uh, are you your biggest fan? Am I, am I? <laughs> there it is there on the second from the bottom yeah, I mean from the top yeah check it the, the when I say the, a comeback if you can see what I looked like uh, before no, the it's already done by then <laughs> back 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 oh wow is that fast yeah I think they showed it twice oh no this was the walkout yeah. oh yeah. sorry yeah yeah do you remember how long it in it was I think it was like one minute and 14 seconds something like that yeah Oh, back there, did from there. Yeah, it was after this now. What was the game plan going into this fight? Just fight, eh? Like I don't even really normally have a game plan because I I feel confident in my stand up and in my ground, so I just normally just fight and see what happens. Oh. And that was your that was this your first fight with PFA? Yeah. So since I um, 
moved to Cape Town. So I think I started training at PFA in the March, and then this fight was in the November. Jeez, huh? Yeah. Who's... Oh, yeah, actually, I don't know the other yeah, guy. Mikey there, and Morty. So talk about this change, because I think the previous fight you had here, yeah. like, that's how long ago that's when I was, the previous um, fight was. I was living in Durban, and, like, jeez, I think... It was about a week or two before my fight. I was still yeah. drinking and chilling, and like I didn't even really train properly. I remember thinking three weeks before the fight, I was like, "Should I actually pull out because I'm not doing any training at all?" Yeah. And I was just like, oh, "Wing it and see what happens." <laughs> was that your mentality for all the fights before? Literally every single one of my fights since probably since my when my dad moved to to Cape Town. It was like whatever structure I had was was gone after that because obviously living with my dad was just like, and your dad was your coach yeah he was, was he? my coach and i was very like i was never very technical but i was very fit and very strong at least yeah and then when i when he moved to cape town like i started my own gym i was more involved in the teaching than the actual training and then when i decided i wanted to to fight and actually do it properly i sold my gym i sold everything and moved to to cape town to train a pfa with mikey and them I think it's maybe even worth taking a couple steps back um, to look at even how you got up to that point. Because I remember, even before I started MMA, that I heard about this guy, no, Saxon Deadfield, this is Kyle Glenwood, bro. He's like, like, I don't know, like, where did the name come from? Did the guys just know you did MMA? Or are you allowed to say that you allegedly got in fights when you're in high school? No, I was I, I was fighting uh, amateur like adult MMA from since I was fifteen. Like there was no age groups or anything. I think we even fought. My first few fights was in normal professional clubs. I was Before answers. I was fifteen and I had my second amateur fight, and the guy was who eventually went and named Dylan West went and fought overseas and in Europe and stuff like that. Yeah. His twenty first was the day after I fought, and I was in grade nine. <laughs> but were you quite like an old old looking grade nine I was I was like I was fighting in the same weight category that I'm fighting now from 15 so I was big okay yeah I was obviously always wanted to be big because I was playing rugby and I was fighting at the same time so I wanted to see which one would yes. work out for me but the injuries in rugby became a bit too much for me to handle <laughs> so then you just started to focus on the MMA instead yeah. I mean so grade nine how, how did that first fight even go for you I didn't lose until what until I was a professional. So really? I had fourteen amateur MMA fights, and then thirteen of them were all done in under a minute. And then one of my fights, which was the it was a under eighteen SA junior title fight. Yeah. Um, I won that, but then they, I think it was a guy from Anthony Kittle's gym. So they went and they wanted to uh, review it or whatever, and they d- declared it a draw. But I don't understand that. So anyways, so they made it a draw. So my record was 13 and one draw. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah. I mean, growing up, you went to Glenwood. Did you go to the boarding school? No, I took the bus. Okay. Because, I don't know, you're in grade nine, you're fighting against 21-year-olds, you're winning fight after fight, you know what losses feel like. How did that take a effect on your ego in high school? Because now, <laughs> now I talk to you now, and you're, like, you're the most... Like, quite humble dude i've ever met especially given your position has it always been like that no i was pretty cocky were you a dick <laughs> <laughs> just say you're a dick at some point I, in your life I was, because... little, I was a bit of a cocky shit yeah yeah but i was like i never got into fights and stuff like that never been yes. the kind of person to to fight with people just because i can but probably uh, <laughs> 
like I was that asshole that would like flirt with the chick and not really care that her boyfriend was there because I knew it was like, oh, what's this little clown going to do anyways? Okay. But like, yeah. ugh, past that now though. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so then how did that all change for you when you got to, to pro level? Where, like, was the, were the guys just on finally your level? Or did, my, did my you first lose fight, focus? My first fight was also 31 seconds. My professional first fight against or Petey Coxon. Yeah. Um, that was 31 seconds. And I was, I was like... Oh, one, most of these knockouts or subs? Subs. So that was one, two, then armbar in uh, 31 seconds. And... Uh, Do you have the guy's name? I'm, we might be able yeah, to find so it. Yeah, so it will be Tuppen versus Petey Coxon. I think it's P-I-E. Is it Afrikaans? Petey? <laughs> with the c-o-x-e-n yeah i think e-n e-n how old were you when you did your pro so i my birthday was in the february then i turned 19 and then the fight was in the march so i was like just turned 19 i think i was one of the esc's younger signings i mean it was pretty quick and uh yes yeah, how's yeah, that here I mean, I even pulled guard. My wrestling was non-existent back then. (laughs) (laughs) What belt were you in Jets at this point? No belt. (laughs) White belt. (laughs) (laughs) Street belt. Yeah, pink belt. (laughs) That's just your thing, eh? Almost knocked the cameraman over. (laughs) <laughs> you enjoy running into cages. I've noticed that's like your... I should have been called the juggernaut. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, you say you win, your, you win your first fight in 31 seconds. Then what happens? I think just get complacent. I mean, I was always fit and strong, but never really focused much on the skills skills of training and stuff. Like, I didn't really even do jiu-jitsu properly until I came to PFA. Like, it was just MMA-based jiu-jitsu and then, like sparring you know yeah so whatever grappling i knew was from just grappling and sparring so like speeding each other up and and seeing what we could learn from it yes um but it was and then i just got a bit complacent like uh you know like <laughs> yes <laughs> and i fought Iga cabeza and i did a terrible weight cut i was cutting i think from 82 to 70 kilos and then I just couldn't get the last few grams off, so I was in the sauna, 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 until about 6 o'clock in the evening the night before my fight. Uh, I think I got down to 70.2. Or did you have to get to 70? To 70. So now it's 70.3 because it's 155 pounds. But now back then it was 70 kgs on the dot. Yeah. And it was my first main card fight. And I just had a terrible cut. And Did you manage to get down to it? No, I went to 70.2. But it was... That's 12 kilos in? Yeah. What's, yeah. how much space of time? Six, I know we do it over six days. Six days. For a lot of guys don't, out there that actually don't understand also the power of a weight cut. So can you actually just talk me through a second just what that week looks like for you? We are, like, that allows you to lose those 12 well, kilos. Um, so it's a six-day cut, what I do. So it's every single day is just the same meals every single day. So it's no sugar, no dairy, no carbs. And no happiness. Yeah. No happiness. It's yeah. pretty much boiled eggs, tuna salad, 
chicken and salad. But, and then like, I'm allowed 10 almonds. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> or a quarter of an avo. But I don't like avo, so it's only just 10 almonds. Okay, you're going to trigger um, a couple of people out there. But so yes. it's exactly that the whole day. Then it's uh, three days over hydrate. So I drink 10 liters of water, 8 liters of water, 6 liters of water. And then... Like, On mon- like Monday, yeah, Tuesday, so Wednesday? Yeah, mon- so the Monday, well, I normally start 10 the, liters of water? Yeah. Back then I was actually doing 12 because it was a lot bigger of a cut for me. So I was doing 12, 10, 8. What's the, what's the concept around that? To, to overhydrate so that when you do eventually cut the water back, your body keeps flushing that water out as if like, oh, you trick, trick it into okay. thinking that you're still, you're still overhydrating. Yes. So your body flushes out. So on that first day that I cut my water back, on the day four, which I cut down to three liters, I normally lose about a cage or two just in that day without training or anything. On day five, I lose the most. I normally lose about four kilos on that day and then but are you pissing like a water truck by this point like a fucking racehorse <laughs> <laughs> and you and you're not drinking anything no no so you so still I, just... no, I drink i drink so i still i go so now what i do is it's 10 on the first day eight on the second day six on the third day then i go to three on the fourth day two on the fifth day then one liter before 12 p.m so i fast completely from 12 p.m on the thursday and then wins on the friday morning so i eat nothing Drink nothing from twelve o'clock on the Thursday till the Friday morning, and you lose about four kilos in, the, so in a day. I, I normally that's about seven kilos from day one to day five, and then yeah. on day six, day seven, whatever. No, so on the day of weigh-in, I normally cut three kilos in the bath. So Epsom salts and yeah. bath, and and if you do it properly, it's it's not a strain. It's not too. It's it's horrible. That last few hundred grams to cut off is torture yeah. <laughs> if i had any water in my, my body you would see the tears running down my face <laughs> that's one way to look at it it's harder than the fight making the weight is harder than the fight so by the time i've made weight it's like it's such a, a confidence booster yeah yeah do guys often take steroids to help substitute in the in the weight cuts because I mean, I know we look at TJ Dillashaw, who was the bantamweight champion. When he went down from feather to bantam, I think it was feather to bantam. Or he went, no, he went to try a fight for the light, for the flyweight title against Cejudo, and that's when he got caught for steroids in the system. Yeah. And I don't know if that had anything to do with they, him trying they, to help they, with that weight they cut. They say that when you you like lose all that body fat, it's easier to pick up the the steroids that you've had in ages ago. But I wouldn't pretend to know that. I yes. know that much about steroids, yes. to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm no, actually just a fatty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, flap, I'm just trying to process losing 12 kilos, and it's not healthy for you. So, anyone out there that thinks that's a no. good way to lose weight, it's water. You put no, it right healthy, back on. Like 10% of your body weight is a healthy thing to do. So yeah. I should be walking around 77 and cutting to 70, not walking around at 83, 84, like I am right now. But you're not also, you, you're weighing 84, but your next fight you're fighting in yeah, at Walter. At Walter, weight, so I'm allowed to be a fatty. Okay. Yeah. So now circling back to what we were just talking about with where you became complacent, what, what happened to you? What was that switch that made you say, actually, you know, it's like, fuck this, I want to I wanna do this properly? So I, I was more, when I was in Durban, the last fight I fought in Durban, I lost, and it was embarrassing. The person I lost to, you can actually see the fight online. You can see my body shape. I looked like I had a dad bod at 20 years old, yeah. um, like fat and lazy. And uh, it's Sorry, again, you want me to check it out? Yeah, you can show it against Aniset Kanyeba. So, A N I 
CET, I think. And he said, yeah, it should just pop up. Uh, yeah, that first one, 60, EFC 64. So, well, that picture. Mm. But just look and see how fat and slow and... You look older. I look older. <laughs> so, and I just completely gassed in this fight because I had no cardio, no training. Like, I should have easily won this fight. I can see how got him in an armbar, I put him in a triangle. I just didn't have the energy to to finish it. Is this the guy he fought again? Yeah. The same guy that did the, the fake tap, no tap. Yeah. I tried to go for a lot there, but I was too fat to get it past my stomach. <laughs> 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 but I had it locked in there. So that's a like a pretty locked in tight triangle. The fact that I didn't finish it is quite embarrassing. And then after that, I lost. Yes, all, you're going red, eh? I lost all feeling in my arms. My arms were like freaking. Was pins, this a main card fight? Pins and needles, yeah. Oh, sorry for those uh, listening to the audio version. I keep forgetting about you. Uh, check out EFC 64, uh, Saxon Delafield's fight. If I'm on YouTube, you'll see he's choking. He's trying to choke someone out, but he's the one that looks like he's being choked out. <laughs> <laughs> I even put him in an electric yeah. chair over here, and the, yeah. he was so flexible that he just punched me in the face. I think you can see me switch now. I got him on lockdown, and then I switched to an electric chair. Yeah. I had the leg. And he, look, he's doing a full split and just hitting me in the face. Yeah, so he must be so confused by that. <laughs> but point. then I went for the sweep, but look, no energy to even hold him down. <laughs> so, yeah, it was after this fight that I decided... Uh, I'm either going to do it all in or, or not at all. So yes. packed up and it was either Joburg or Cape Town. My mom and dad both lived in Cape Town. So Cape Town. So did you call Mark who owned PFA at the time or did you rock up there? My mom used to live next door to one of his ex-business partners One of the, when he worked at Caprice. Yeah. Mike used to be a general manager at Caprice or something like that. And my mom used to live next to next door to David who is apparently his business partner or something like that so yeah um at that stage Mikey had given up on on uh training and, and teaching fighters because uh of past hassles yeah um and I kind of just forced him to love me and forced him to train me yeah <laughs> yeah I wish he didn't he didn't like me in the beginning and he'll tell you this but but uh, why didn't he like you he loves me now though <laughs> why didn't he like you well he thought that I well he well, you could see that I was a cocky and arrogant guy that I was back then, but... When did I, the humility kick in then? I think... Did he, um, did he want to spark a couple rounds with you? Jeez, when I first arrived at PFA, I got fucked up. Yeah. I was unfit fat. I was 94 kilos when I arrived at PFA. 94? 94 kilos of fat. And I went straight into training full blast. I think I injured myself in the first week just, <laughs> just training because yes. of... <laughs> um, but yeah, and then just slowly, I think... Him seeing my mother, the dedication that I was putting in and the hard work, he could see that I was, I was, um, I was there for real. And then after I knocked out uh, Regis, I think myself and Christoph, who was training with me at the time, he also won his fight on that night. And he he sat outside with the both of us, and he said, "It's the out of any fight he's ever been to, the the proudest and the happiest he's ever been." And he couldn't have asked for a better night. So it was like I think that was when the whole change of 
how he felt about me. Okay, happened. then he became your Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. And he became his Daniel son. And I pretty much live with him now. He can't get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you before, because I know I'm going to forget this. The tattoos. Let's talk about this a bit, because you start off on your back. Someone, I think I was explaining to Kaylee that when I look at it, if you look at the detail, it almost like, looks like a battlefield mm. on your back. Is that what's happening there? Because you actually got to get close up to yeah. see exactly what's I'm going on. I'm taking my shirt off now. Oh, no, no. <laughs> don't worry. We can, look at you, we can look at your farts again. Yeah, pull up his last one again. <laughs> With the one where I was a fatty. Yeah. Yeah. The horse has even lost weight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that is a Yeah, leave it, leave, just leave, you, it there. You should leave it there. Leave it there, it's fine. Put the picture of me looking like a shark next to that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the transformation. <laughs> so what's that all about? Did you just want a kind of like a battlefield kind of theme on your back? And that's what yeah, set so that up. Yeah, so it started in. off the, the one horseback um, soldier warrior is a Anglo-Saxon. And then the other one's... Just someone else. I just wanted a Saxon kind of theme. Yeah, so a Saxon warrior on my back. And at that t- time when I got my tattoo, I just had my fourth knee operation. Yeah. So I wanted like a, I like the idea of a horse, like strong legs and fighting and all that. And then I just, I got a, I actually got a book. So each one of these <laughs> fighters is from a historically correct horseback warrior book that I have actually. So I okay. told my artist just to take all these pictures Crop, cut them out, put them together, put some dead bodies in between, and make a fucking cool war scene for me. Yeah. And then we added a castle. And Pity you'll never see it though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only on TV. <laughs> I got shot. And then I got a castle on the side, castle with Celtic crosses and a graveyard here. What is it on the side? This is the castle. This is the tree. Yeah, the tree with the graveyard. <laughs> okay, I see. Yeah. And what's the crow theme? Because you got it, if you haven't noticed, across your chest. Yeah. And also uh, on your forearm. And pretty, I'm pretty sure I can find it somewhere else if I looked. Well, the, the first crow I got was on my chest. and Because um, I had my son's name written across my chest first. And then did you change his name? And then uh, no, I wanted him and his brother to be uh, uh, the exact same size and, and font and tattoo on, like, on my arm. So it didn't look yeah. like uneven, you know. And they didn't have to fight about it. So... It, Crow Blackbird was the easiest thing to cover up a really dark tattoo that I had on my chest. Yes. So I did that just because it was a crow and it was a cool tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just stuck with it. I like I'm, a lot of my tattoos don't have any meaning at all. It's just because I thought it looked cool. Yes, well it does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it makes you also look scary, which you're oh. not until you're in a ring. Maybe you're scary. A cage. So. Cage. <laughs> so going back to your your kids, um, when did you have your first son? So. Caden is my biological son's older brother, so he's not technically my. Oh, okay, yes. I just uh, kind of adopted him as my son. He, I mean, I'm his dad, so yeah. he understands the whole situation. But I'm his dad, so I love them both the same. Yes. But I had Carter when I was nineteen. Okay. Yeah. And, and how? Brother's yeah? three years older than him. Yeah. Okay. And how? I mean, that's going back to you saying just packing up in Durban and having to leave. That's not like. You're in a situation now where you've also got your responsibilities, and so that yeah. must have been so much more difficult for you to make that decision. Yeah, no, it was a, it was not an easy decision to make, but um, I'm glad in a way that I made it. Yes, uh, I, it made me grow up a lot, and um, I get to see them often, not often enough, yeah. but uh, after every fight, I take two weeks off or so, and I go spend two weeks with them in, yes. in Durban. So, but I miss them a lot, and um, I'm hoping that. 
I will get paid well enough this year to see them often. That's the plan. Yeah. Um, so how, like with them, how's that changed? Almost like your level of motivation because now it's not like you're not fighting for yourself. Like you're almost, you're fighting for a family and well, you see. 100%. I mean, I don't get to go see my kids if I don't win my fights. So. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> I literally can't afford to. I mean, you don't get paid that well already. So. Yeah. I mean, you even see a, a Cowboy Cerrone, for example. Like the moment he had his kid. Yeah. He said he realized that he, he actually now had something worth fighting for. And that's sure, when yeah. he went on that streak. And so I think that's so powerful for you. I mean, I'm guessing that's the their birth dates yeah so it's the year and then mm. the month the oh okay have you got one on the other side yeah okay cool so now the kids eh? <laughs> 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 I don't know where you're gonna go yeah, I go on my toes yeah <laughs> man and I don't know it's just it's a fascinating story for me of someone that's that's wanting that's that's willing to sacrifice that much and actually move away and lose sights of the shore because I remember I listened to a uh, this guy speak about the he spoke about entrepreneurs and he I wanted to understand what made the difference between a successful entrepreneur and your mediocre entrepreneur and he made them fill out surveys they did questionnaires and he said they're pretty much exactly the same except for one defining difference and the question was have you ever reached the point of no return and all the mediocre entrepreneurs said no and all the successful, well-known entrepreneurs said, geez, at least once a year <laughs> because they back themselves that much. Yeah. And that's kind of required. Jeez. Yeah. Because, yeah. I arrived in Cape Town, literally just my car. And I arrived, I, I was literally living in the building across the road from the gym. It's an old office block. They're renovating it now and I don't live there anymore. But it was, um, it's uh, old abandoned offices that um, one of the, the um, one of Mikey's clients owns. So I was staying in there. I had uh, a mattress. It was a mattress from a uh, you know like garden furniture, like your your sun bed or whatever you lie by the yeah. tanning bed by the pool or whatever. I had two of those put together with a sleeping bag, and I slept there. And I had a little two plate stove and a, and a heater. I put the heater right because I arrived in like April and it was starting to get freezing cold. So I'd sleep there with my sleeping bag in Can front of the. Thing. And I had obviously had to, to send money for my kids every month and stuff like that. So I, was, I had to make it work. It was like literally, I mean, you know. I mean, at that point, was it, were you motivated or were you almost thinking like, how the fuck did I get you? <laughs> <laughs> literally, probably. Cool. No, there was at a stage like where I, I didn't even have enough money for food. So. I remember I got down to 75 kilos, not because I was training so hard, but because I couldn't afford to eat. I had oats and a few cans of like tuna and eggs and stuff. Yeah. Um, but then it slowly started started um, coming around, especially after that first win and getting a bit of confidence, getting a bit of traction. Then I fought again in the March. So it was like three months. Then I fought in April, June, and then... Because you, like for those that don't know, you went on a complete winning streak. Yeah. And... I mean, your your nickname is Sax Bomb, but the real nickname that everyone's given you is the One Minute Monster, and for all the right reasons. Uh, <laughs> 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 and like, I mean, I remember, I remember watching your fights. I mean, you can even watch if you watch Re the fight where you fought Regis after you won. I've never seen someone celebrate like that before, and I think. Well, you can you can explain this, but 
it was more than just winning that fight for you in that moment. Yeah. It was like, it was symbolizing this, this move was the right move for you. I think you can even see me having a few tears there in the cage afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was sweat. So you don't mostly. have to show that, but... <laughs> I, I, I want to see it. It made me re- feel really good. Yeah. No, it was just like everything... No, watch him run into the cage. <laughs> Did you throw a gum guard out? Because I never know how guys get hold of their gum guards when they throw it out the stadium. I still had it in my mouth. Okay. I had a, a nice big uh, bruise, this, the shape of a triangle on my forehead from the, the mesh of the cage. Really? <laughs> yeah. Did you win the knockout of the night? Yeah. Well, I've, yeah, my last, I had three performance bonuses in a row and then a fight of the night bonus for my last one. So since I've moved to PFA, every single fight's received a bonus. They're completely different, eh? Not that they've paid it, but uh, received it nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, like, I'm going to call the UFC out for that. Apparently, they're not very good with with paying... Well, with, my, with my girlfriend working out. there, I can't really comment that much. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so we can remove that then from they, the... They've paid uh, everything that they're legally supposed to pay, just not the, the bonuses that they promised. Okay. Yeah. So whatever's in black and white, they've, they've paid, so... And so, like, I think a lot of guys, especially like those watching, it's like, oh, firstly, the guys don't actually understand the sacrifices that you've made to get to that point. But also, I don't think guys really understand, like, the fear going through you leading up to that fight. Because guys don't like to talk about it, and everyone thinks, oh, those fighters are fearless. But, like, for me, talk me through, like, the day of the fight from... From the, from the time you wake up? It's fucking petrifying. It's horrible. So, like, in the morning, it's fine. But as soon as you get to the bed... Are you eating in the morning? Yeah, yeah. So, I'm still trying to pack on. Like, I normally... I'm, I'm back up to 80 kilos by the time I wake up in the morning. So, I put that 10 kilos back on that I've lost. And I'm just... I do, like, an activation in the morning so that I'm not too lethargic after eating so much. Are you by yourself most of the time? Or no, no. So, coach? Mikey comes up the day, the day before when and he cuts... Does the, the weight cut with me... And uh, he sits at the, the all-you-can-eat buffet while I'm starving, and he eats all his bagels and his croissants. Of course he does. Yeah. <laughs> With his diet coke, though. Okay, yeah, gotta make sure of that. <laughs> yeah, buddy, your temple, yeah. And um, but yeah, so once I get to the the venue and start strapping your hands, that's when. What like, times this around? Uh, depending on where I am on the fight card. So lately, I've obviously been main card. Yeah. My last three fights now. Um. So that's after eight. So normally, once the just before the main card starts, so I go up to my hotel room, which is pretty cool because I can put the fights on on the TV and I can Mikey like in my hotel room straps my hands up, which is it's just next door to the the arena. If Are I'm you guys talking a much? Fighting Joburg. yeah, joking around, keeping it lighthearted. Still, the moment I start warming up, things start getting serious and mm. start getting more aggressive. That fear is still there, but you 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 gotta. It's like a, a fine line between being afraid and getting aggressive with it at the same time, you know? Yes. Like a scared dog is the one that bites the hardest. It's kind of vibe. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, but it's, it's, it's like... Like you're kind of tingling in this fight or flight. Like you're right in the middle of it. You know which way you're going to lean, but your body's kind of pulling that fear into it's you. It's not a good feeling. I hate it. I just like to think to myself, why am I actually even fucking doing this sport? I could be just a personal trainer and living a normal life, having a drink with my friends. Do you always have that I'd, thought? Do you always have that thought I'd, before a fight? Literally every single fight, I think to myself, why I'm doing this? Like, why am I doing this? Because it's it's 
it's putting all your eggs into one basket and, and asking yourself, are you good enough to actually do this? Are you good enough to do everything that you put your entire life into doing this yeah. thing? Are you, are you good enough to beat this other person that's yeah. doing the exact same thing? Or is every single one of your dreams, like, was it just a dream or is, are you going to make it happen? It's, yeah. It's, and it's also not like, well, if I'm not good enough, I'm going to get my face smashed and I'm, I'm really worried about the pain and, and getting hit in the face like that. It's the losing and, it's more the rejection, not rejection, because it's not really rejection in a way. It's like just the not knowing if you're good enough, you know? Yes. That, or how, okay. what, what kind of word, what is the word that I'm looking for? Mark? It's just the insecurity of not thinking that I'm good enough, you know? Yes. Which I feel, I feel like everyone actually has it in them, but it's, it's knowing f- that by the end of the night, you're going to know whether or not you're good enough or not. Yeah. It's like, this is it. It's not like, oh, I'm going to write the test today, get the results in, in two weeks' time. It's like, I'm yeah. fighting this person who wants to take my head off, and if I don't beat him, I'm not good enough. Yes. Yeah. And I'm not going to be able to see my kids. Yeah. I'm going to get half the money that... Because that... that's the way it works with EFC. You, if you lose, you get half the money of the winner. Yeah, it's pretty much half. So that's how they're working mm. on. It's like okay. half the money. The sponsors also pay me... Pay me less, and I get less money the next time I fight as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so running back to you saying, day of the fight, so you've got, so now you're in the hotel room, you've got everything strapped up, starting to get a bit more serious. Do you get called down? No, so we get, I tell you pretty much what time you're allowed to, so there's two different change rooms. There's a, there's a change room where all the fighters go and they get dressed and mm-hmm. stuff. Just watch the tapping. Yeah. There's a, <laughs> a change room <laughs> where all the, where all the, the fighters can get ready and get dressed and do up their stuff. But we normally go to our hotel room and we do it there so that we buy ourselves. And then there's a warm-up change room as well, which has the mats and it has a TV where the fights are happening live. So uh, they normally, two fights before your fights, you're allowed to go into the warm-up change room. Yeah. So I started getting warmed up there. And have you ever just got to the warm-up change room and then all of a sudden the two fights in front of you, knock out first round, knock out first round. And you're like, Fortunately, <laughs> Okay. We, we, oh, Mikey's pretty good at, um, and also, so with the EFC is if they like they they have everything quite structured quite well. They have like what time you'll be fighting, so if there is a quick knockout, they'll put on a few ads and a few commercials on, and okay, so yeah. it's not straight into the next one like like you would think. So yes. They put in all the ads to get their sponsors, cover time, and then um, we go in. Yeah. So the, yeah. So the 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 fight before you is finished. You're standing there, you stand in the wings, the, the guys call you across, say it's fight time. Yeah, so they'll call you saying that the fight's over in three or four minutes, we're going to call you, then you can stand. So they have a, a curtain before the walk in and you stand there, then the other fight. How are you, feel, how are you feeling in this moment? I'm just thinking myself. Well, is this, the, is this, is this <laughs> the, the peak of nerves? Yeah, so it, until the music goes off and my song starts playing, it's nerves. Once the music goes off and I start walking out, I always said people walking out with my music and everyone shouting before my fight is my favorite part of the fight. Okay. That's when all the nerves go away and it's almost like tunnel vision of clarity. So it's tunnel vision from the moment you walk out, not from the moment the ref says. No, no, no. So I get like it it goes away from then and then I get in the ring or the cage, whatever. And uh, I talk to Mikey through the cage and he says, just calms me down. And he just reminds me of the, well, not the game plan because I don't normally have a game plan. He just says, just watch out for this, watch out for that. Keep breathing. Don't get overexcited. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so I know like your last fight was like 
if you won this last fight, you would have got a title shot. But there was a controversial thing around that where was it the second round? First round. First round, you put him into an armbar and was it an armbar? Yeah. And he belly down armbar. And he tapped. Yeah. I think you can he, find he, it on my Instagram, yeah. How's that second photo? Sorry, at the top. <laughs> yeah, that's when I first arrived at PFA. That's amazing, eh? Yeah. How's that? Yes, it's bring your tits in that first. <laughs> <laughs> that's what 94 kilos looks okay. like. <laughs> Come on, bro. Try go, maybe there's... Go kick the bottom right where the blood on my face is. There. So it was a single tap. Yeah. See, like, at this, I didn't even know, like, I thought he tapped, loosened up, and then, like, second-guessed myself. So, okay, maybe he didn't actually tap, and I was just imagining it, and carried on fighting from there. But only looking back at this this. after the fight, um, realized it actually was a tap. So normally what I would do is I'd follow him with my legs and finish the armbar from the top position there because that's a terrible armbar escape just to flip over because you can normally finish it from there. Yeah. And you can see I let go of his wrist and I just carried on lying there. Yes. Yeah. But anyways. So he knows. (laughs) We know. But it's fine. It happens. Yeah. If, what would you have done differently in that fight? Because you um, did you did kind of start gassing out because you came out trying to maintain your one yeah. minute monster but, title. Geez, in that first round, um, I had a, a bit of a ball box malfunction. <laughs> no, <laughs> my ball box was sitting on my ass. You can see it in the video of the armbar there. My ball box um, was. Did like it happen during the, the armbar? All the way around, yeah. I think I armbarred him. And, no, because you can look. That's not a tail growing out there or a chocolate log sitting in my <laughs> <laughs> It's That's my ball box. And I was like trying to talk to the rest, like saying, look, I can, I, can I just readjust this quickly? It's like, carrying fighting, I'm going to call the fight. So in between the first and the second round, I was just trying to readjust my ball box. I didn't have time to yes. to breathe or listen to any coaching advice. Second round was a complete fucking whitewash. In the third round, I can like I felt like a lot more composed and comfortable and stuff. Um, except I got a awesome takedown, finished in the mount position instead of staying on top and finishing ground and pound. Yeah, I remember seeing Mark's face there. Stupidly went for an armbar and lost the position. So, um, I think like I actually love this fight because I, I learned a lot from it. I mean, yes. every single one of my other fights were done in a, like a minute or a minute and a bit. Yeah. So, I feel. I learned a lot and I don't think that I'll ever be the same fighter after that fight. Like, Was it a fight of the night contention? It was fight of the night, yeah. And then also contender for fight of the year, which they haven't done the, really, yeah? the votes for yet. So that could also be that. What happens if you guys win fight of the year? Do you guys both earn from fight of the night? Yeah. Okay. Not that it's been paid, but anyway. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so is the goal eventually for you to move across to to uh, UFC is that what the goal is anywhere um, that pays me well enough to be honest I don't care if it's one or UFC or Bellator or Brave I mean I just have you not be... got any possible have you not reached out um, because I'm sure if guys see the highlight yeah, like I, almost, I almost signed for a Brave fight last year 
but um, Mikey wants me to stay at EFC and and get a belt or so here first. Like he wants me to see it out, and he feels yeah. it's a good platform for me to to grow and also learn as a fighter before I go into that true. higher level competition. So it's just the long game for you, yeah. which you're happy with. I mean, and if I win my next fight, when I win my next fight, yes, uh, next fair month, uh, also be in line for a title again. So at a different weight category, but I doubt I'll fight stand welterweight just for now. Who's the welterweight champ? Uh, that Timber Garimba. Uh, yes, okay. Yeah, which, I mean, I could possibly, but I, want, I know that that lightweight is the weight that I will internationally compete at, that I will go overseas and I'll fight at. So yeah. no, there's no point in me sticking around having welterweight fights. I want to practice having my weight cut to 70 kilos and then fighting the next day. Yes. There's no point in me messing around in a weight category that is not my weight category. I'm like, I think I'm like five foot eight. I'm not. So tall. why why are you doing it then? Uh, it's a good opportunity and uh, I feel like it's a very good fight and a very winnable fight. Okay. And the the likes of One FC, uh, Brave, uh, Bellator, not not even like take take UFC out of out of the mix. Do the is is does the pay jump like quite significantly mm. between all the different? Well, compared to what I'm earning now. Yes. Um, from what I heard, because when Brave came to Durban, I think it was in December last year, was it? Yeah. Um, from what I heard, fighters were getting fighters that weren't even on the main card. Without telling you what I'm earning, we're earning probably about almost four times more than me, not even on the main card. Crazy. Yeah. Gee, so that... A fighter that lost. No. <laughs> yes, that's enough to tempt you to want to jump across a bit too early. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Gee, so well done for playing the long game. Because <laughs> that's, that's flipping difficult to do, especially I know when... Like, you got to pay the bills. Yeah. But, I mean, it's enough now. Yeah. So, what's what's now in the mix? So, you got your welterweight upcoming. Yeah. So, on the 4th of April. And then, when you is that when you're going to move back down to lightweight? Yeah, after that, I'll probably... So, I know Cape... I mean, EFC will be coming down to Cape Town in November again. So, I'll fight in April. I'll have to fight somewhere in Joburg between, between now and November. And then fight November in Cape Town again. Okay. So I get three more fights this year, get a little streak going again, and then I'll have my title shot. And and for you, do you see yourself, how much longer do you kind of see yourself in SA for before you want to kind of stretch out to try? Wait, do you think you'll still keep your, your training in SA? I definitely still would, would live and train out of here, maybe a month or so before a fight, go to wherever it is I'm fighting and, and yeah. train, train with the, the guys there, climatize get a different perspective of training and see what it's like as well. Yes. But with my kids being here and I'm pretty loyal to my my trainer and my gym, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade them in for any other gym in the world. So I would uh, that's definitely the way I would mm-hmm. go about it. Who's that um that middleweight champ again? What's his name? Drickus. Dr- yes. Yeah. Why why did he come back to EFC if he was doing well overseas and you say the overseas organizations tend to S- pay better? Technically, easier fights for easy money. Okay. It's his hometown. I mean, it's where he lives as well. Oh, so you don't think he's planning on hanging around EFC? I'm not too sure. Like, I mean, I know he's the KSW look after their, their fighters. Yeah. And I'm sure he gets paid pretty well, so. Yes. What do you think? Because we've had uh, two or three South Africans 
uh, move across to UFC, which for those that don't know UFC, it's pretty much the biggest fighting organization in the world. What do we, what have our guys done wrong? Like, what would you do differently? Because all the, all these South Africans that like smash UFC, EFC, go across to UFC and they, a lot of them come back with their tails between their legs. I feel like the guys that they chose probably weren't the best guys as well. Uh, maybe a bit premature. I know African um, martial arts in general is a bit behind the, the rest of the world, especially in terms of jiu-jitsu and wrestling and that. I mean, they leaps and bounds ahead of us, yeah. in my opinion. We're slowly catching up now, and we have we have a lot of good depth of talent at the moment. But at the times when the guys that did go along, I mean, they, they all got smashed. Yeah. I mean, without mentioning any names, I mean, they lost all of their fights and got their their contracts terminated and then yes but uh, apart from that Don Madge who's there now um, he's doing quite well yeah I mean he he got his jiu-jitsu brown belt he fought in Thailand he got the international experiment he fought I think about 10 fights in EFC before going there as well I mean he didn't just win a few fights win the belt and then go yes I mean he grew as a fighter grew as a person and did it the right way and moved along yeah um I wanted to say the Paul Costa. Was it Paula? Paolo. Paolo Costa. Didn't Soldier Boy fight him? Yeah. He fought him when he was upcoming. Bro, watch this fight. Got annihilated. This is Paolo Costa. He's Brazilian action man. This is who? Soldier. Gareth Soldier Boy McLennan. I mean, he won. I mean, he won one of his fights in in the the UFC. Um, yeah, it's that one there. But this, I mean, he fought a flipping monster here. Yeah. And even um, Ron Potts, who went to the UFC, his, his loss was against Derek Lewis. Oh my God, dude. He's a, he's a fucking Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> he is Brazilian Hulk. Oh my gosh. Oof. Oh. I don't know how he's even 84 kilos, though. Yeah. He looks like 100 Paolo. kgs of pure muscle. Look at me. <laughs> I That's mean, and yeah, that was in Brazil as well, though. I mean, poor Gareth McLennan had the Brazilians chanting in Portuguese, uh, yeah, you're, you're gonna die, or however you say really? it. Really? Yeah. No. Literally chanting like a, at a soccer stadium, you're gonna die, you're gonna die, you're gonna die. Yeah, it's like he doesn't know Portuguese, <laughs> right? <laughs> He's fighting there, it's just a shit show. Absolutely <laughs> worst. Yeah. I mean, you check when, um, who's the guy... Who's the trash talker dude that just fought, fought Usman? Uh, Covington. Oh. And we checked him in Brazil afterwards. Mm-hmm. Type in um, Colby Covington uh, post interview Brazil. An angry redneck. I like him. Oh, he grates me. Okay, that's not correct at all. Last flood of the storm. Sorry, uh, Mark's trying to auto-translate this thing and it's just not working out. Uh, the reason that Mark can't play the YouTube audio is because you can't have uh, a YouTube video playing on top of a YouTube video with audio. Or else... uh, well, we can, but we'll get pulled. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, because it's not our content, they'll yeah. pull it off. But basically, he just calls like Bra- Brazilians a bunch of like dirty monkeys or something. <laughs> like... Like, it's bad. But even so, look, look at Daniel Cormier's face. He's like, oh, you're an irritating redneck. Yeah, I think the translator's like, I don't know if I should. I don't know if I should translate yeah, that. The translator is, he's like, oh, oh, oh. 
So for the for those that don't know, uh, Colby Covington was actually going to get his um, his contract terminated after this. Really? Yeah. So when he won the fight, he needed to do so. Firstly, he won the fight, which he did extraordinarily. But then to solidify that, he then went to create a bit of hype. Flook Brazilians in Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't kill him. And they kept him around, and he basically trash talked his way up to up oh, to yeah, the title yeah, fight. And, but he did um, that title fight against Usman had to be the best UFC fight I've ever watched maybe not taking into account the women's fight that just happened this yeah. last weekend where just but so many people wanted to see him get smashed and his face at the end we see that, that picture with Usman with his hands in the air and his face just swelled up like he got stung by a whole bunch of bees yeah, but did you see when they stood in slow motion he's like I think I just broke my jaw Yeah. and they show Usman hitting him in the jaw. Child type and broken jaw. Look at his face. <laughs> there. Watch this. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't even watch it. <gasps> oh, it almost tapped him on the shoulder. Yeah. Is it done? Oh. <laughs> he did well for staying up, eh? Oh, there it is there. What's been the worst injury you've taken? From a fight. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've got these as a stitches. Yeah, I had three stitches after my last fight. It's quite, it looks quite a warrior. I it won't lie. It's like a pirate scar. It's yeah. like literally a line with three... Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, when you dress up for Halloween as a pirate, I don't even need to paint on scars. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, has that kind of been that's your the, worst? That's and you've had your knee surgeries. That's from rugby, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you've actually been quite in the clear with the fighting. Yeah. If, who would be your dream fight, EFC-wise? Oh, obviously for the belt. Yes, obviously yeah. for the belt. So Joe Cummings. <laughs> well, who would I like to fight the yes, most? Who would you like? Oh, to? I wouldn't mind getting my hands on that Luke Michaels fellow. Yeah. <laughs> Is he in your weight division? No. Well, he was in my weight division. I was supposed to fight three times and he pulled out. Um, I don't know. He just irritates me. We checked him. And he doesn't like me for some reason. Why not? You're the most likable guy. I th- oh, I'm so, a likable guy. Uh, Luke Michaels. Yeah, you can't trust someone with two first names, so. Yes. <laughs> oh, we got Bob Williams here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he fought Regis as well, but I think it took him three rounds to beat Regis. Oh, okay. okay what I can just look at images just so you can see the dude. But uh, uh, allegedly known for pulling out of farts quite a lot. Jeez, yeah. Like, he sounds like the kind of guy that, like, you'll hit him in the like high up on the leg and he'll call it a, a shot to the nuts. No. Oh, he's a cake, yeah. He came and trained the PFA for a while, apparently. And? Apparently, it wasn't very great. Yeah, I'm just for sure Mark doesn't really take well to egos in his house. No. The first day I arrived at, um, at PFA, uh, obviously, uh, I was training well and Mark could obviously see how I could fight, but he also wanted to see how much I could take. So he's like, you, um, Sack said you fired because I, I fought your brother. Mm. And he's like, cool, I'll come in the ring with me. And he tried to break me for like three rounds. <laughs> and at the end, he's like, I love tough motherfuckers like you. <laughs> he's a funny old dude. He's an awesome, awesome guy. Yeah, he was supposed to be my second fight at EFC. And uh, he failed his brain scan. Go, hmm. Kidding. Yeah. 
So, that's not a nice test to fail. What do you mean? I want to be like. Yeah, okay. Like this, yeah, cat scan. So bruising on the brain or something. Like that. Apparently, I think he's failed it like three times. Yeah. Must be so, definitely something wrong in his head because he's not a normal fellow. When I was uh, when I went to Thailand to train there for a bit, Chad was training out in Thailand, mm-hmm. and I just went to go join him to train for two weeks. And I remember, in like halfway through the second week, you train like six hours a day. It's like two in the morning, two midday, two night, and it's like forty degrees, and it's so hot that there's no walls. They just have obviously the stilts mm-hmm. with the roof on top for those that haven't seen it. You've trained in Thailand, I'm no, sure. not yet. Haven't unfortunately, you? no. Yeah, I should try it. And I remember like halfway through a session, like dripping with sweat. I can't, I can't, I'm mumbling words. And I remember thinking to myself in that moment, I was thinking, it's not worth it. And by that, I'm saying like, people say, oh, I want to be a fighter so I can get the respect and guys will know that I can fight. And God, like, and there's going to be stadiums and guys cheering <laughs> my name. And in that moment, I was like, what I'm going through now is not worth all that. Worth that few minutes of glory. Yes. That everyone forgets about the next day. Yes. <laughs> hey? Uh-huh. Like, it's this bubble. Like, guys guy sit, sit there in the stands and like, oh, I could do that. Or a guy yeah. gets knocked out, a guy loses a fight or There's loses a fight. The key is that to all, like, I wouldn't have tapped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you're just scared to be in there in the first place. And I mean, and that's even half the thing. Like, I wouldn't, I won't say the guy, but he he went to the SA champs um, that you took all the guys to in Durban, yeah. the Western province team. And he lost his first fight, but he got absolutely demolished. And he wrote a Facebook post about it saying, hey, you know what? I got absolutely destroyed, um, but I'm going to come back and I'm going to learn from my mistakes. Like For me, that guy's got like bigger balls than any other guy I know. Firstly, like... Firstly, to take such a beating and willing to one day step back in the ring, yeah. but also to put it out there. Yeah. Like most guys would like hide their hidden shame. You wouldn't you wouldn't hear from them on social networks for a, a while. Yeah. But he puts out there, you know what? I lost. I gave my best. And I want to come back. And like those, that's the kind of mentality you need to go into fighting. Because the thing I love about MMA that's so different to boxing is that a loss doesn't really define you. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's so many more variables because it's not just boxing as well. I mean, that's true. That's, six, that's it. And a lot, lot more luck, I would say, as well. I mean, you got those tiny little gloves. I mean, any shot could change yeah. the direction of a fight. Like, yeah. for anyone that thinks those gloves do somewhat protection to the guy that's receiving the punch, it's more to protect the guy's to hand. Protect your hand, yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's all it does. Also, it would be bare knuckle, bare knuckle fighting. Which is also a pretty cool sport. Have you know, you've seen any of the BKFC fights? I haven't. I know that I just know that Artem, what's his name? Like his Conrad yeah, Gregor's teammate. Flip that guy makes me laugh. Oh, that is one thing that on my bucket list though is to uh, Ben Akofa. Yeah. Why? I, just, I don't know. It's just <laughs> it just appeals to me. Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I, I, I've got hard fucking hands. Like I could punch without gloves on. I think it would be amazing. <sighs> and you're not allowed to to go backwards in this. Well, I think they they. I know they penalize that, you for yeah, around. they penalize you if you don't engage. So it's a full-on literally just swing until you knock someone out kind of fight. I mean, look, you don't see anyone going backwards. Like, it's back and then in again, back and then in again. Oh. It's beautiful. Artem. 
But did you see his face afterwards? It literally looked like someone put him through a bloody no. wood chipper. Who won it? Uh, he won. Well, okay. Artem won, yeah. Good for him. And then there's also that Lethway, which is um, bare knuckle Muay Thai with headbutts. Please type that in. It's bare knuckle Lethway, like from Lithuania. Oh, I, I don't know how you exactly how you spell it. Type in uh, Lithuania. Just, or just type in uh, bare knuckle Muay Thai or something. I don't know. <laughs> no, crazy tight. I mean, elbows, knees, and headbutts. You see, they don't clinch as much in there as well because of the head. Oh, okay, I see. <laughs> you see uh, Bass Rutten taking the, the Lithuanian, well, Lithway, whatever you call it, fight championship guy on pads, and he's like literally holding the pads for headbutts and stuff like that. It's no. crazy. <laughs> yeah, for those that don't know much about MMA, I don't know, for me, I'd say forms of martial arts, I'd have to say Muay Thai is the gnarliest form of martial oh, arts. No, for me. You, that is, it's a painful sport. You jiggle that headbutt. For those that don't know anything about Muay Thai and aren't watching the screen at the moment, check out Muay Thai, M-U-A-Y, space Thai, like Thailand. And it's basically kickboxing with with elbows, knees, and you, sweeps, see you only score points. And, uh, and you only score points on sweeps and kicks. And the only reason you're punching the guy is either to set up kicks or to knock the guy out. So that's the only way you win. I think one thing you should try to do if you do end up in Thailand is do a fight in Thailand. Definitely. If I go, I definitely would. At least once. I mean, I heard such a crazy story. Um, when Chad uh, was there with a couple of the guys, there's a couple of the guys that were, they weren't pro, but they're decent amateurs. And MMA, you know, like they came to Thailand just to practice Muay Thai for the experience. And so a couple of them were like, no, no, let's, let's do a Muay Thai fight. Because they almost... They do these Muay Thai fights in these little, in these little stadiums. It almost looks like it's like really high stadiums, and they're very narrow. So almost it just surrounds the the ring. It's a very weird setup. And uh, the first guy fights, and he ends up just losing. And a couple of fights go on, and the one mate's waiting for his fight, and his fight name hasn't been called, hasn't been called, because you get set up on the night with mm. the guy you're fighting, and then. They call out his name, and he comes to the ring, and so this oh he goes, "I'm our champion," and the lights go, and like you know, like in EFC when all the lights go, and like this only guy that has a walkout song and like cheerleaders and like confetti and stuff. He gets in the ring, and he lasts like two minutes, and he gets absolutely throttled, and after that, it's fine. <laughs> and it's happy and i remember i went to pp island which is a party island in thailand and it was a party island and um and one of the bars in the middle of the bar is a boxing ring and Anyone's allowed to fight, and if you fight, you get a free, um, they call them jugs, which they're full, it's like, almost like these cheap kind of cocktail things. So guys would line up to fight, so they'd get their free drink at the end, and everyone else gets to watch the whole time. I think it's a brilliant concept, 
that we should bring to Cape Town. As long as they don't drink before they fight. Bro, guys are drinking before they fight. Jeez, you'd have their paramedics on standby. Yeah. Tap in a... Okay, you guys are going to chew me now. Banana bar. <laughs> you went... Banana bar. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a social care. Uh, PP Island. I know how to spell PP. Yeah. You know how to spell PP. Uh, they're the third one. I think that could be it. Is this at the... He's just come off the beach. He's got his little sandals on still. Uh, no, try a different video, Mark. Um... <laughs> but yeah, that's it. That's it. That's the place. So check. So... Oh, you have to wear head guards, so... Okay. Yeah. It's, it's safe now. No. <laughs> you think... <laughs> Yeah. It's old knocks. So check. It's, like, it's a whole basic bar around you and you fight. Jeez, you can see these guys. Well, at least the one guy knows nothing. Yeah. Other guys got... Oh, no. Do you get a bigger jug if you win? Or? I think so. I think okay. so. So you get a jug regardless. Yes, you both get jugs for competing. Jeez, so if you, you've broken when you go have a draw, just have a few fights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you'd be such an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine how drunk you would get after a fight and going straight into drinking cocktails? Yeah. But also, apparently it's so cool. Like, um, the guys that say they do compete. What happened there? There's a, oh, they get knocked out then. Oh. Uh, the guys that do compete, they say it's so cool. Like, afterwards, like, everyone in the club's your mate. Oh, we're not called the good guy last. Oh, the, the shitty oak knocked the good guy? Or is this a different yeah, fight? Yeah, no. Oh! <laughs> oh, shit. And the other guy was doing so well. Yeah. Lady, so, lady for those that listen to the audio, check out PP Reggae Bar Knockout. Yeah, sorry, it was Reggae Bar. So, yeah, man. I didn't end up getting <laughs> to do it because the one night I was there, it was the king's birthday. And on the king's birthday in Thailand, you're not allowed to serve alcohol. Sure. So, it was the only night I was there and I wasn't able to do it. Also, I would have done it. I think it would have been such a funny experience. Yeah. They just put you against random people or if you're mates there, did you say, look, you want to I can go against your mate if you want. Oh, okay. But, like, my one, when I was there, we met up with this other, this, no, no, not while I was there. When I was training, one of the guys just got back from PPR, and a tiny little Indian kid. And he's like, yeah, dude, like, I arrived there, and I was so smashed. And I thought, because, like, he had just come to Muay Thai to experience what it was like to train in the gym. He had no experience. And he's like, yeah, dude, I won't lie. Like, the ego got to my head. I thought I could fight. And I was like, because, <laughs> like, when you're drunk, everyone thinks they can fight. Hence the need for bouncers at clubs. And he says, you know, this big dude standing up there and no one wants to fight him. And I put up my hand, I was like, fuck him, I'll fight him. <laughs> <laughs> he says, yeah, no, I lasted about a round, but then the guy was nasty to me the rest of the night. <laughs> so like, that's, that's what you're dealing with there. <laughs> yeah. Definitely on the bucket list. Definitely on the bucket list. I don't think you should do it though. I think you should just watch, watch the guys fight because it would be super unfair. <laughs> I just uh, zero Muay Thai experience so <laughs> out of all the fighters like the, out of all the fighters you've you've watched uh, UFC guys players better talk guys is there anyone whose style you try to emulate the most not really um no not really at all actually to be honest with you yeah uh, I feel like I have my own my own should, brand and my own style. Because uh, I agree with that. I can't find anyone that fights like you do. Yeah. What would you say uh, your fa- who your favorite fighter is? 
No, it used to be Anderson Silva used to be my favourite. I think he should have give it quit while he was ahead though. He's been past his prime now. He used to be like yeah. insane to me, like just the way he used to fight. Yo Romero's also a beast the way he fights. It's a little bit boring this last weekend though. Yeah. Should have turned up the heat from the beginning. Um Why do you not think he uses his wrestling? I don't know. Maybe it's a pride thing. Maybe he feels like uh I don't know, maybe it's pride, maybe he just thinks it gasses him out too much. I don't know. I mean he's got a Olympic re- level wrestling. I mean against a guy like Uzra Adesanya who has not much experience in wrestling, you'd think he would have used it a bit more. Yeah. And I mean there were moments where he he did wrestle a bit and through the scramble, landed some good shots in the fight. So, yeah. I don't know why he only did, like, what, three or four shots the entire fight? Yeah. He threw a couple of those overhands in the first round. Yeah. And then Adesanya just realized, okay, cool, I can't really... I can't engage first. Yeah. But did you see his leg? Maybe he didn't wrestle because it was like his boils leg was on so, that thing, yeah? so, It looked like cottage cheese. Could you actually pull that up? If, say, your Romero... So, they definitely took the spring out of his uh, wrestling. Uh, but... Check it. There'll be a, there should be a, a better photo. They didn't catch it on the camera too well. Lumpy, yeah? Sure. Crazy, eh? Like, if you saw that kind of thing in your fridge, you'd throw it out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Did you see him in the post fight um, thing, though? They're no. Like, I feel dead, he got up and did the samba. He's just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is so sad. <laughs> <laughs> he did that very well. Um, oh, he's cool. Do you think if you had to do the whole thing again, would you still want to fight? Me? Yeah. I can't do anything else, so. <laughs> because, yeah, for you, it's like, I mean, I was, I was Facebook stalking you a while back, and I noticed, like, you've been fighting since you're, eight yeah, you're Eight years old, yeah. So, yeah, you, like, for you, you don't know anything no. more. I was never really, like, I wasn't stupid, but never really an academic. I was always uh, convinced that either be a professional rugby player or a professional fighter. And then when the heart let you down, you decided to move on to the fighter. Yeah, so, well, I wasn't really worried about the heart yeah. and that. But I mean, when I had my fifth operation on my left leg. Um, Were you playing like, flank? Yeah. Okay. I, was, I mean, I was good. I mean, I was in scholarship, playing in the best rugby schools in the country, between like Paul Riss and Glenwood. Well, at least you were of age. Yeah. <laughs> One of the guys that work. For those that don't know, uh, Glenwood came up this week that they've had yet another pupil playing for them. That's It was Glenwood Primary, though, oh, to be Primary. honest, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, but whilst, whilst I was in Glenwood, there was a guy. Um, Did you all know? We always used to call him Father Tom. <laughs> that was his, his name was Tom. We used to call him Father Tom. And then yeah. the Zulu guys used to call him Vrazo, which means uh, uncle in Zulu yeah as like a term of respect I mean so what happened was he'd finished school in the Eastern Cape so 18 finished school finished matric and yeah. came to Glenwood and started in grade 8 so 18 years old started in grade 8 with a, a fake birth certificate pretending he was 18 years old so I think from grade 10 Top and Tom see if it comes up Siabonga Tom I think it's yeah. Tom T-H-O-M I think um the only it only came out in matric. He was twenty three years old playing matric. Played for the Craven Week rugby team. I think he was the captain as well. Then made SA schools. They only found out. I just that check images. I think that'd be the best route. They only found out that he was. I think that's him there. I think that is him. Okay. They only found out that he was forged his birth or whatever you call it um, when he. Uh, was applying to get a passport to go overseas and represent 
the SA schools team that he made. And no one questioned it, eh? No, not until, I mean, he played Craven Week under 16, Craven Week under 17, um, Craven Week and SA schools for the under 18 side. And I mean, he was 23 years old. Yes, <laughs> and you know what, for me, bad luck for Glenwood. Like, I don't think they... Like, Everyone knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, they didn't go out there and find a bunch of matrix in the Eastern Cape oh, from that, uh, I mean, from what about, I know. You're talking about the principal that just uh, pleaded guilty for embezzling five million rand from the school as well. So it was all a bit corrupt. Mark up. Yeah. <laughs> five million. <laughs> yeah. What's it, Trevor Kershaw? Yeah, he was a dick as the well. Green machine. Yeah, he just pleaded guilty to avoid uh, jail time. There we oh, go. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I seem like Glenwood made five more. And everyone was on a rugby scholarship, so I don't know how much money was being poured into that school that everyone was on a scholarship and five million still being stolen from the was school. That him? Yeah. Yeah, we <laughs> Did you not dig him? No. I remember there was like a fight at a pavilion in Westfall in Durban, like yeah. between schoolboys. And I got called into the office. I was like, I wasn't even at Pavilion this weekend. <laughs> Why are you calling me in here? It's just because there was a fight, I must be involved. Yeah. <laughs> That's so classic. That's so classic. And like for you, what's, what's MMA done for your, your, your level of confidence? Because like speaking from my perspective, which is just purely amateur, amateur fighting, the moment I knew how to defend myself and also it sounds egotistical, but when other guys knew that like, hey, you do MMA and that kind of stuff, you tend, you tend to feel secure in yourself. Mm. And for you to be at the level you're on and being known for that at, from such a young age, yes, you said it made you cocky to an extent, but I'm sure you also you felt very relaxed in who you were. Like yeah. peer pressure was non-existent. You did no, what you I've, wanted to do. I've never ever had a problem with drugs. I've never smoked a cigarette in my life before. I mean, but in, and also going out and stuff, like I've never been in fights before because I don't feel I need to. Like someone bumps into me, I don't feel like, Oh, he's like testing my manhood. I need to fight this guy, otherwise, you know. And yes. I, and I think also and I'm definitely pe- sure you've been caught in situations like that, where yeah. guys shoving you or telling you what's what's actually, your problem. Actually, actually not. To to be fair, I don't know. Really? So maybe you also look like a great white shark. When you, <laughs> when I, I don't put myself in a situation like that. If I go out, you need to have fun, not to to look for trouble. Um, I mean, there's been one or two situations where I've had to help a few friends out. Mm. Um. But nothing, nothing, no fights, like, yeah. for real, at, at, like, at club and stuff like that, I mean. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so just going back to your level of, like, like, self-confidence in a sense, that it's been great for you, being able to know that because you can defend yourself, there's no, like, peer pressure almost comes from that sense of, like, feeling threatened by those around you and you having to cave in. And yeah. for you, it's like, well, I'm not threatened by you because yeah. I know where I stand. For sure, yeah. And so, like for you, are you are you keen on getting your your kids into some form of martial arts as soon as they um, I always able said, to? Like, if if it's something they want to do, I'll support it. If it's not something they want to do, I'd never force them to do it. I mean, what a dad! I, eh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, music is their thing at the moment. So, one son learning to play the drums, the other learning to play the guitar. So, yes, that's their thing at the moment. So, okay. I'm sure they'll get tired of it and move on to the next thing. But until they find their yeah. what they really want to do and pursue then I mean I was never really had the choice I started kickboxing when I was 8 years old and what did you think about that because doing kickboxing at like such a young age 
Was that never a worry about taking hits to the head at a like when you're a bit too young? Mm-hmm. Like, but like so like for me, I'd love to if I choose any martial art for my kids, just and if they're young, I'd let them do like jujitsu. Because mm. for me, I think that's the best form of like martial arts without possible head injuries yeah. at that age. At least while your brain's still developing. I had between eight and twelve years old, I think. 74 kickboxing fights. I thought you were going to say concussions. No, <laughs> like, no, no concussions that I know of to date. Serious? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So fights are under a minute. Yeah, I keep forgetting. Fight this corp. Thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably concussed for running into the cage, though. So, after, <laughs> so I mean, how many fights do you think you've had in your life? Taking, taking into account kickboxing fights, taking into account uh, jiu-jitsu matches. More than 100. Yet... No matter what, it's still the nerves are hitting you every time you walk oh. out. You could do a thousand, you could do a thousand matches. You could do a thousand fights. Okay, you're still it's, certain you'd be there. It's always a, a question if you're good enough. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you're good enough. Oh, oh, it's the talking. <laughs> awesome. Should we should we call this one? I think we're good, man. One hour twenty. One hour twenty. Cool. That went by fast, eh? Yeah. Cool. Cheers, cool. bro. Cheers. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks. Chang Chang. And that's a wrap, boys. Oh. Oh.